Hey, 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 Champion Church listeners, this is Peyton, your friendly neighborhood tech guy speaking. Welcome to this week's podcast. It's our third week in the Change series, and man, have we got a treat for you. Our very own worship guru, Dane Hampton, is giving us the word this week. He'll be talking about the importance of generosity and faith-filled people right after I'm done yammering. On the announcement board this week, uh, we just started our 21-day Samuel fast. No, that's not where we all pledge to abstain from Pastor Samuel for the next three weeks. Instead, everyone is encouraged to give up something of their own choosing. I'm on day two without carbonated drinks, and I missed the burn a little bit, but I'm old and strong. I hope you're doing well on your respective fast, too. Remember, it's for his glory. Amen? All right, there's nobody here to respond to that. I assume that you did, listener, but anyway. Next Sunday, that's January 24th, we are celebrating Champion Church Fort Worth's entry into the terrible, uh, terrific twos. Come and join us for this awesome time when we will look back at everything God has accomplished in this church in the past two years. Also, balloons. And come on, who doesn't love balloons? Also, just a reminder that Connect Groups will be starting again soon. The youth will start up again this Wednesday, that's January 20th, at the Todd's house. All 7th through 12th graders are invited. The adult connect groups will be starting again in February, and we will have details in the coming weeks about when and where. Uh, Okay, I think I've taken enough of your time now. I'll pitch to Dane in the message for the week. The first part of the recording was made on my phone again. I know the quality isn't as good, but I was able to get the recorder to work finally. So after the first three minutes, we're back to the good stuff. Also, I included Samuel's introduction since it's just so sweet. And since Dane does reference what Samuel was talking about in the first few minutes of the message. I think that about does it. Oh, and remember, listener, keep repeating the mantra. I can't outgive God. I can't outgive God. I can't outgive God. He's been with me, I feel like, my whole life, but we met when we were 15. And uh, I saw Adrian brought him to church the first time. It's like, who's that guy? <laughs> Little did I know. We would be in a band together. We would play all over and worship the Lord in crazy places. We would do great things. But I've asked him to come this morning because I want God to speak to our hearts from lots of different people. Because everyone in this room is valuable. Amen? Amen. Everyone in this room has a voice and has the ability to communicate the love of God to everyone they meet. Amen? And that is you and I. And so right now, we're going to give it up for for this wonderful man of God, a God that comes and serves and sets up on Saturdays for you. He sets the chairs up for you. Amen? And he prays for you and he cares about you. And uh, I can say a thousand things. But uh, I want you to stand to your feet this morning because we're going to give honor to whom honor is due. And, uh, man, we're going to allow Dane Hampton. Thank you. My wonderful Dane Hampton. Come on, let's give a hand up. sit down. I forgot last time to say that. But, uh, you know, Sam was talking about the change series and what we uh, have been talking about, the flat tire the first week and applying God to our lives. And, and um, you know, I just want to talk about um, this, this whole idea of change. And I, I have a, 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 a little phrase here that I wrote down. I don't know where I got it from, but I've kept it in my, in my iPad just as a remembrance of um, this actual thing, and it is the acquisition of knowledge doesn't mean you are growing. Growth happens when what you know changes how you live. So just not just knowing something doesn't change us, right? It, it's it, growth and change occurs when what we know is applied, and then it changes how we live. Amen. And you know, I would I just think back to when uh, certain changes in my life. And, you know, there are changes where we change willingly and changes where we don't change so willingly. Amen. And I think back to when my wife was pregnant and we were having our first baby, Canaan. And, um, 
you know, how many of you know that that's a change that you might not go through so willingly sometimes because you all of a sudden are thrown into this world of somebody else depends on you for everything, for changing them, for feeding them, for moving them. They can't even move. They just lay on the floor and stare at you. You know, and, and, and you got to move them everywhere and you got to put them in their chairs and you got to hold their little head up and everything they do depends on you. And all of a sudden you're thrown into this realm where you're like, well, I can't think about myself all the time. You know, what's that about? And so that's change that that kind of we have to go through as parents sometimes. And then you have a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow. My whole life is my kids, you know, everything. Everywhere I go, there's a kid running around. What's going on here? Listen to me. Sometimes change is hard and it's difficult, and we we can't get used to that, and we have to break down walls and barriers. But listen, today I wouldn't have my sweet little Canaan and my, my Maddox and Jericho and Noel, and I wouldn't have those blessings in my life without the changes that Adrian and I went through. Amen. And so, listen, change is good. And it's not always easy. But, but it can be very good if you're following the Lord's path. Amen. And I believe that having kids and having my kids were following the Lord's path. Every time my wife would go and she would take the little thing that told you whether you're pregnant or not, I would, I would be standing there and I'd hear her crying in the bathroom. I'm like, what, what is wrong? You know, and she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. You know, she's crying. Not because she was sad of it, but she just didn't want to go through the whole change, right? I guess, you know. To me, I was like, that's awesome. You know, I didn't, my body didn't have to change because of it. So I wasn't worried about it, right? So I just had to encourage her, hey, it's okay. You know, you, you'll be great, you know, and she always was. But we don't always want change, but sometimes it's what's best for us. Today, I'm going to lead into something a little different in change, and that's an attitude of generosity. And um, just the attitude and the idea that you can't outgive God. And how can we become a generous Christian and a generous people? And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, like I said, we talked about the flat tire and getting that out of our way. And we talked about uh, applying God's word to our lives. And now here's an area where God's word speaks to us, and it's in generosity. And I was really surprised. It, when, I, when I started uh, looking into this idea about how many things are in the Bible about being generous. And just how, I mean, Old Testament, New Testament, how much is said about being generous all the way around with everything you have. And it's really amazing if you do a study in it because there's so many scriptures about it. And I'm going to throw a lot of scriptures at you today, probably more than I ever have before. But I, I think it's really needed. But there are so many more that I was like, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I just had to cut them out because there is so much about being generous in the Bible. It's, it's truly something that the Lord is speaking to us or he wouldn't put it in there so often. Um, let me read this definition of generosity because I like this version. And it says, generosity is the virtue of not being tied down by concerns about one's possessions. Generosity leads to charity and forgiveness. Generosity can also be spending time, money, or labor for others without being rewarded in return. Generosity is not solely based on one's economic status, but instead includes the individual's pure intentions of looking out for society's common good and giving from the heart. Generosity should reflect the individual's passion to help others. Now, I just think that that definition was awesome when I read it, and it just kind of included everything and summed everything up. And, you know, today, <coughs> there are many ways it mentioned that we can be generous. You know, it says um, time, money, labor, you know, all these things are good. And, you know, I want to kind of discuss uh, our finances because I believe that's an area that we can, um, that's often very difficult for, for people to be generous in. And myself included at times when, when I was growing up as a Christian, the Lord had to many times speak to me about generosity and giving and, and, and tithing and faithfulness and these types of issues that the Lord has to work out in all of our hearts. And today, I want to talk to us about, should God be in our finances? And how does that look when God is in our finances? Um, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you today, or this week rather, have had a discussion or a question or even an argument about money? Pretty, 
pretty much, I'm sure everybody has had a discussion or a question or, or sometimes even arguments, you know. Studies show that the majority of things that married couples fight about is money. And um, so it's obviously that the Lord, <laughs> somebody said, yeah, uh, the Lord, it's obviously that the Lord would want us to be very interested in, in having him involved in our finances. If it's so important to us, you know, when, when I, I get to work and I have the once a year, you have this, this whole thing about where you put your money in the 401k and when you do this, how the health insurance and what health insurance you want and all these types of issues. And we have to, and I always hate that. I wait till the last second to try to decide these things. And, and, you know, we have to think about where we want to invest our money, where we want to put our money into. And, um, you know, let me say that, that it sometimes can overwhelm us, our money and finance situations. And many people are overwhelmed with money and overtaken by this idea. Um, I just want to say that it's very important to God that we put him in our finances. And it should be very important to us because of what he can do with our money and with our finances. When we talk about generosity, we must talk about tithing and offerings and giving. Um, I have some frequently asked questions that I think Peyton has that he can post up there. <clears throat> that I just want to say, these, these are what, when I, when I was doing some research, these are some frequently asked questions about Christians about giving and tithing. And it says, does the Bible require me to give 10% of my income to the church? Should I tithe based on gross or net income? Am I obligated to give to the church even if I'm having trouble paying my bills? What does the Bible say about church offerings? Will God make me prosperous and wealthy? Why do people have money problems even when they are serving God? Why hasn't God answered my prayers to get out of debt? Where does it say God will prosper me? Now, these are real concerns. These are real questions that Christians, the top questions that Christians asked, were asked about tithing and money and giving. And these are all concerns that many of us have had, you know, either one, two, three, maybe of them, maybe all of them. At some point, we've had these questions and concerns. And let me tell you, just so you're on, you know, waiting for me to answer them all, I'm not going to answer them all, (laughs) but I'm going to try to help us understand you know, the way that the Lord would have us do things and how, how he wants us to live and what he wants us to do with our finances. Amen. So please understand today, I can't answer every question, but I'm also not just sitting up here as a plea to give money. God doesn't need our money. Okay. It's not about him, uh, wanting us wanting to take money as a church from you and take it out of your hands and your hard earned money. That's not what it's about. It's about an issue of the heart and it's about an issue of faith. And that's what the Lord wants to share with us today. Today, my goal is that we can better understand what God desires as Christians as far as being generous and having a generous heart. And that we can kind of look into ways and steps we can take. What's the next step we need to do in order to become a more generous Christian and in order to become a more a generous servant in the kingdom of God? Amen. That's what my goal is today. So let's start today in the Old Testament. If you want to follow with me, I think we'll have it up on the board and this is probably something that many of you guys have read before. Maybe if you've taken any classes or read, uh, seen anything on video, you probably have gone over this verse when it comes to tithing, giving, and offering. Amen. And this is Malachi 3, 6 through, through 12. And I'm reading out the message version, and I'm just going to read it through. I am God. Yes, I am. I haven't changed. And because I haven't changed, you, the descendants of Jacob, haven't been destroyed. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. You ask, but how do we return? Begin to, by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me. Somebody say, test me. Test me in this and see if I don't open up the heavens itself to you and pour out blessings. Say, blessings. Beyond your wildest dreams, for my part, I will defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunderers. The message of God of the angel armies, you'll be voted happiest nation. That's funny. I love how they said that. You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. Amen. Listen, that's pretty hardcore, I think. When you talk about curse, 
You talk about testing and blessing. You know, that Old Testament can be hardcore and very many things like that, but that's the word. That's what God was telling his people at the time. And let me tell you, history in the Bible, tithe means 10%. And the tithing system was something that the Lord developed because there were 12 tribes in the children of Israel. And one of them, the Levites, were the priesthood, the, 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 the ones that served the priest. And, and the, the other tw- of the 12 tribes, they got a portion of the land of Canaan to do with and to, to grow crops and to, to do what they would with it to, to make a living, right? And what they did was they took a tenth of that and they gave it to the priesthood, to the Levites, because they didn't get that portion of land because their job was the priesthood. So that's where it was. It, it, it began the whole idea in the children of Israel of, of giving a tenth to the priesthood and to the, that, the Levites. And then in turn, they gave a tenth to the actual priests. But it was a, a foundation established by the Lord for the children of Israel and how they should handle um, what was their uh, earnings or their, their, um, their growth, right, what, what they developed. And, and in, in our terms today, it would be money, but in theirs, it was, it was other things. Um, but, you know, as you read these things, you know, certain people might say, this is Old Testament you know, this is, this is an Old Testament discussion. And so, you know, I thought, well, let me start going into some other areas, into the New Testament. Let's read some other uh, things, maybe what Jesus says about uh, being generous and about giving. And, you know, I was also thinking, you know, personally in my, in my life, I was never uh, motivated um, in giving by thinking that I was going to be cursed if I didn't. Or by thinking I was going to be blessed if I didn't. Because I didn't want to give to God just to get blessing. I felt kind of bad about that, actually. Because I thought that was the wrong motivation for me. And for me, I, I didn't want it to be about, man, God, here, I'm giving you this just because I want to get it back. You know, Lord, let me give you my tenth and God, give me 500% back. I didn't want that to be my motivation, right? My motivation, I wanted to be very different. Um, if we love somebody, if you love your wife, you want to give things to her out of that love, right? Not, not because you're obligated to. And how many of you that get something out of obligation feel that that's valuable? Because usually you feel kind of like, um, okay, thank you, but, it, you know, you don't feel as good as when somebody really gives it freely without obligation, right? And so that's what I want to focus on because I believe that, that in the New Testament, it goes even further. It's beyond obligation and curse and blessings and all these other things, but Jesus even breaks it down even differently. So let's try to look at this, okay? In the New Testament, in Luke, I'm going to read through three verses here. And this is just to show kind of some New Testament scriptures on just generosity and giving. Um, you know, surely it won't be as hardcore as, as the Old Testament, right? The New Testament's all about grace, mercy, forgiveness, and love. It's real easy going, right? Light, fluffy. Uh, Luke 18, 18 through 22. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he turned to him. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And then come follow me. Maybe that is a little more hardcore. (laughs) You sell everything you have, right? Wow. Matthew 23, 23 through 24. Woe to you, Jesus says. Now, listen, if he starts with a woe, I'm scattering. You know, I'm not going to stick around and hear the woe because I don't want to be woed. Right? Yeah, you don't want to be woed. I know what that woe look looks like sometimes, right? You know, you walk in the house and all of a sudden you get that look and you're like, I just got woed, you know? I don't want the woe. So when Jesus says woe, that's trouble. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out the gnat, but swallow the camel. Wow. Ouch. 
Luke 18, 9 through 14. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. And listen to this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, only one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other person. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I have fasted twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Dang, maybe we should go back to the curses in the Old Testament, right? I mean, you know, this is, this is hardcore stuff here. You know, the first one, the first one, the, the rich man's heart, you know, or I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the good teacher when it says, you know, how can I inherit eternal life? And he does all these things. He's like, I've done this and I've done that. And I've done that and that and that. And Jesus, I'm just thinking, what is he thinking? Well, you know, why does he say this to this guy who's so full of, man, look at what I've done, you know? And, and he, he looks at me and he says, you haven't done one thing. Go sell everything you have to the poor and come follow me. Now, why does he say this, you know? Um, is that truly what everybody must do? You know, I really believe that Jesus is looking at that man's heart. And he's thinking in his head, I'm fixing to die on the cross for you. And you come tell me what you've done. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking, what is he thinking? He's probably thinking in his mind, man, how dare you tell me everything you've done when you don't even know what I'm going to do for you. And so Jesus looks to him and says, sell it all. That's what you must do. You know, he was probably, I, I was just thinking if that was me and I put myself in his shoes, I would just be a little bit, just a little bit, you know, maybe prickly, right? Go sell it all, you know? And I, I think that's, you know, he was really looking at the man's heart. And when he's talking about the Pharisees who gave a tenth of their spices even because they were so much in the law and what they've done in the law, but yet they weren't doing even the basic things that Jesus and that God had asked of them to do as Christians uh, regarding faithfulness and generosity and all these things. And then the Pharisee who prayed to God, don't let me be like these other people. I'm not like these other people. I mean, how dare he do that? Yet this other man who came humbly before him and had nothing, but just humbly said, forgive me. And that's the man that Jesus said is right with God. Listen, this is New Testament preaching on, on how we should see about, uh, about how we should feel about our spirit and generosity and giving and, and, and what the Lord really feels about, about things. Um, let me read this to us. It's Matthew six nineteen through 21. I believe Jesus is telling us that following the law is good, and, 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 but it goes beyond that. It's not just about following the law. It's about going beyond that with him. So the Old Testament was the law, but with him, it's about the heart. It's about, yeah, doing these things that are good, but even more, but going even further and just really selling out for the Lord. That's what I believe he's saying. Do not store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Listen, the rich man's heart is on earthly treasure and not heavenly treasures. I believe Jesus deserves more than that. I believe he's asking more than that from us in the New Testament. He's asking more than just law from us, right? He's asking us to go a step further. So what does it mean to have a generous heart, you know, to, to not be hung up on the things that we've done and to just cry out to God, Lord, look at all this stuff I've done, Father Lord, but really have a heart that's generous. What does that mean? And number one, I believe is giving. Giving is to be done cheerfully rather than an obligation, and not for the purpose of public recognition. That's number one. I don't know if we have that to put up. But that's the number one thing. 
uh, on what it does mean to be a gener- to have a generous heart. And I just want to read this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. For each of you should give what you have decided to in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will bound in every good work. Now listen to me what it's saying to you. It's saying that we shouldn't give out of obligation, but give out of a heart that loves the Lord and is cheerful, giving what the Lord has put in our heart to give. I believe that that's the start of that foundation is 10% tithe. And then above that, what the Lord has called for you to, di- to give. And then when he does, giving it cheerfully and without uh, the attitude of, man, God, here's what I'm giving, so you better bless me, this type of thing, but really just a cheerful heart. And listen to what he says, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And he's telling you that, look, the Lord will take care of you. Not only that, but your finances and what you do and what you give will abound and go further than what you have given, and it'll abound in every good work. So in other words, when you give to this house, to this church, or to to a, a ministry, or or to uh, one of the the missionaries or or these types of things, your finances, you basically abound in the other good works that are done all over this place. Every good work the church does. When we go to help the stitches and we're giving the kids all their presents, all these things were things you've done. You know, giving to the missionaries, all these things, you, you abound in those good works. In other words, that little bit of money that we may give or that little bit of time or that little bit of service or whatever it is, grows exponentially in the Lord's hands, and it abounds. Number two, generous giving is an acknowledgement that everything we have is a gift from God and to be used in his service. In Luke 21, 1 through 4, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. It's an attitude of everything we had have as a gift from God. Rather than give out of obligation, we, we are urged to share generously whatever talents and abilities we have. Listen, the Lord... There's many other verses in the Bible where the Lord even talks about more than just giving financially, but giving out of service and giving out of all these other areas. And this is one of them. Romans 12, 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in the portion of his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Listen to me. All of us have a call. And there's so many verses like that where the Lord is saying we all have a part of this body to be used and to give. And if you're already giving financially, then maybe your next step is in an area of service. Because the Lord doesn't just want us to stop and say, Lord, I've given my finances. I give you my 10%. I'm done. And we just talked about that in all the other, in all the other uh, uh, scriptures. The Lord wants us to move further. What's the next step? Where are we going after that? You know, are, are we serving in the house? Are we serving people outside? Are we generous, uh, generously giving to others outside? Are we, are we telling the good news to people? Uh, what is the next step for us today? You know, that's what we need to talk about this morning. That's what we're looking for this morning. And I want us to to read this one scripture in Samuel, and I want us to talk about this. And it's, it's 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 17. And let, let me tell you, the third part of how, what it looks like to be generous is understanding that I cannot outgive God. So the first one is giving is to be done cheerfully rather than out of obligation. The second is generous giving is an acknowledgement that everything we have is a gift from God. And the third is understanding that I cannot outgive God. You can't do it. Now, I, I found a video, and I really wanted to show it, and it was funny because these guys were talking back and forth, and this guy, T, right? It was a small one. I think the Venti's the large one, right? Okay. Um, I asked with the expert there. And uh, so, you know, he gives it to him, and he's like, oh, thanks, man. You know, next week I'm going to give you a grande. And he's like, okay, man, well, next week I'm going to give you a Venti. 
you know, and then they just start going back and forth on, you know, and then all of a sudden they got to, they're giving each other like uh, jobs and, and stuff. When they have this company, they're going to hand this company over to them and give them, and it was just, it just grew and grew and grew. And it was really kind of funny, the idea that, you know, they couldn't outgive each other. The other one was kept trying to one up and kept trying to one up. Well, listen to me, you can't outgive God. And let's read this scripture. After the king was settled in his place, or his palace, I'm sorry, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. And Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it. The Lord is with you. But the night, that night the word came to Nathan saying, Go tell my servant David, King David, this is what the Lord says. So David he says, man, I'm sitting in this awesome place, right? But the Lord's in a tent. And he's thinking, I just want, I want to build something just awesome for the Lord. So his heart really is to bless the Father and to bless him because he loves the Lord, right? And listen to what the Lord tells his, his prophet Nathan to tell David. He said, go tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in the house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with, wherever I've moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say that any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from the tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over the people of Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with flogging inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And that's what Nathan told David. And listen to me, that's the ultimate one up, right? David's like, man, I want to build God a house because here I am. I'm in this cedar thing and it's awesome, but he's in a tent, man. And the Lord says, what can you give me? The Lord says, I am giving all of this to you, all of this to you. You can't outgive God. And that's a perfect description of it. David, who was a man after the father's own heart, could not outgive God. And though he wanted to and he sought out and really wanted to bless the Lord, the Lord said, no, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to use your descendants to bless the whole world. Amen. Listen, we must understand those three things about generosity. Giving is to be done cheerfully. Generous giving is an acknowledgement that Everything we have is a gift from God. And third, understanding that I cannot outgive God. So listen, I want Peyton to, to put those um, questions that we started off with, those frequently asked questions, okay? And just so we can wake everybody up here, I want everybody to talk with me. And what we're going to do is after we read it, I want everybody to say with me, I cannot outgive God, okay? All right, so I'm going to read it, and then y'all are going to say what? Man, y'all are listening and you're awake. Look at y'all. Okay, does the Bible require me to give 10% of my income to the church? Should I tithe based on gross or net income? Am I obligated to give to my church even if I'm having trouble paying my bills? What does the Bible say about church offerings? Will God make me prosperous and wealthy? Why do people have money problems even when they are serving God? Why hasn't God answered my prayers about getting out of debt? Where does it say God will prosper me? Do we understand that we cannot outgive God? 
that through all those things and all those questions, I might not have every minute answer, but I can tell you this. You cannot outgive God. And it is proven in the Bible. It's been proven to me in my life. And if you put it into practice and if you test him, it'll be proven to you. So listen to me today. How do we become generous? And let me just say a few things about that. First, generosity requires a yes. Okay? When we are asked, and if our response is always a no, then we've developed a no habit. How many of us may have developed a no habit? If, you, if every time you have, well, let me ask this question. This week, have any of us been uh, given an opportunity to be generous in any area? Surely you have, right? At work, here at church, um, away, maybe you saw somebody in a, uh, you know, homeless or whatever it may be. We've all been given an opportunity at some point to be generous, right? And then as we go along this path and opportunity and opportunity come, if our answer is no, 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 then what have we developed? We developed a habit of saying no. And listen to me, God wants us to have a habit of saying yes. He wants us to turn our no into yes. Amen. He wants us to not have a no reflex, but a yes reflex. And that's what we have to change today. Change is about taking it from a no to a yes. And let me tell you, I found somebody who put this into practice. And there was like a motivational speaker and a philanthropist who who actually went a whole month, and his experiment was, I'm going to go the whole month, and I'm going to say yes to every opportunity to be generous, right? And, and, and it was pretty amazing. He was telling the story, and everybody that came to him and said, hey, I need this. Can, I, can you help me with that? Every time he had a chance to be generous, he said yes. And he made a promise to himself he would do it for a whole month. No, no matter what. And he said at the last day, somebody, one of his friends came up to him and just asked for $5 just because he knew he had to give it to him. And so, and so he gave it to him. But he said, you know what I found out at the end of that month? You know the, the words of wisdom that he shared? He found out that at the end of that month, he felt like a generous person. Wow. You know, I mean, yeah, groundbreaking, Right. Listen to me. He was generous for a month, and he felt generous. Man, it's amazing what happens when you apply what you know, isn't it? When you take what you know and you apply it, and all of a sudden change happens, and look what happens. It's amazing. Give to one who asks of you, and do not turn away from one who wants to borrow from you. That's in Matthew. It's not always the smart thing, okay? It may not always be what you think in your mind you should do as the smart thing. But maybe it's the God thing. Maybe it's the right thing. You know, I want us, I really want to challenge us this week to, to take what that man did. And maybe not, you know, I'm not telling you to do a whole month of saying yes to everything. But what I'm saying is that turn your no's into yes. Turn your habit of no into habits of yes. Can we try to put that into practice? That's what I want to encourage us to do today. I want us to have that where our, our habit is a yes habit. And then every now and then we might say no. That's what change. Your change requires that we do this in repetition, right, that we repeat these things. Let me, let me just tell you a story of how that, that worked in my life and how the Lord showed me that. And before I've, I've been up here before preached, and I told the story about, you know, my wife having a dream from the Lord about somebody giving us a house, and then a week later they came to us, and the wife said that they wanted to give us the house because they were told by the Lord that, and all this thing stuff happened, and, and then for years and years and years, uh, it didn't happen. Other stuff happened that made it look like it wasn't going to happen, and I don't want to go through all that again, but I do want to share that before we got um, the house, the Lord spoke to me about being generous in a certain area and a certain, actually a certain amount of money to give um, and, and how I was supposed to keep that up. And he just spoke to me and said, hey, I want you to give this amount and do this. And so I said, okay. And I was like, you know, that was more than what I was at the time. And, and I said, all right, I'm going to do that. And I really believe the Lord was establishing in me a heart of saying yes and a habit of saying yes and really trying to uh, expand uh, my horizons as far as being generous and giving. And, and when he, what he did was immediately afterwards, all of a sudden I got a job that I really didn't have uh, any chance to get. And I got a 20% increase in salary. And it was amazing how the Lord just blew the blessing out of the water for me. Because I, I tested him and he did it. And I've shared that before. But let me also share, not only did he do that, but then the Lord told me, hey, when you move out of your house, um, 
I want you to go. He put a family in my mind that needed a place to go and stay because they had some other issues. And he said, and I, I was like, okay, well, I need to make this amount of money in order to afford this. This house is twice the size, and all these things are in my mind, thinking I got to pay this and that and that, and you know, the utilities are going to be bigger. Everything's going to be bigger, right? And and so I needed the, my house if I was renting it to these folks or whatever. I needed to make money, and the Lord said to me. I want you to tell them, pray about it, and tell me what the Lord tells you you want to pay in rent. And I said, dang. <laughs> I said, well, what What if it's not enough? You know, what if I, I, and I didn't put any parameters. God said, just tell them to pray about it together, husband and wife, and then come and tell what they want to give rent for rent. And I said, okay. So I told them that. I said, hey, come live in our house. We'll rent it to you. I want you all to pray about how much you rent you want to pay. And so they did, and they came in with a number, and it was actually better than I thought because I was thinking, man, it's not going to be enough. But, but it, was, it was plenty. And ever since I've moved in, not only did I get blessed by somebody, but I in turn was able to bless somebody else. And listen, that's how the Lord works. When we're generous, when people are generous, we see his generosity move through other people. It doesn't just stop with you. When you're generous with your finances, when you're generous with your time, when you're generous with all these things, it affects so many more people. So I really want, I want to encourage you today in closing here, as Glenn comes up to play or somebody, in closing here, I just want to encourage you, let's have a heart change and let's make a habit of saying yes instead of saying no. Amen. And I just want to encourage you today to pray about what the Lord would have you do as far as generosity and giving. And I really believe that if you don't, if you don't tithe now, then your next step in your opportunity in the kingdom of God is to tithe and to give that to the house of God and test him and watch and see what he does in your life because he will open up the floodgates. And I really believe that. But I believe also if you do that already, your next step may be in service or in some other area of giving to God. God doesn't want you to stop where you are. He wants you to grow, continue growing. He wants me to continue growing, continue changing. Don't believe we've ever been fulfilled or we've ever been completed or that we found this nirvana and we're there. We haven't arrived yet. We won't arrive till we get to Jesus and we say, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And then I'll feel like I've arrived. Amen. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you, God, for your word. God, your glorious word, Father, Lord, that comes and lights our path, Father, Lord. I pray today that your word can touch people's hearts, Father, God, about being a generous person, being generous people and Christians and how we should live our lives generously, Lord, not only just with our finances, God, but with our time, Lord, with our, our gifts and our, uh, our abilities, God, Lord, our talents that we have to give. There's so many people in this room that have talents to give that we don't even know about, Father, that can be used to bless this house and to bless your people, Father. Let us have a heart change from a no reflex to a yes reflex, God, so that we can be faithful and, Lord, so that we can grow and change into generous Christians. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap today. You know, I asked Dane to come up and preach this message um, because I, I really know that he understands what it means to say yes. And, you know, all of these years I've asked him to do things that he's not even qualified to do. You know what I mean? With, with running all of these things. And, and, and he's continually said yes to that. And what I've seen is his effectiveness has, has been exponentially seen by all of us because of his willingness to take the next step in what God is asking him to do. And what I want to say is, is all of us have a next step today. And in 2016, God is going to ask you to take that next step. It, listen, the next step when you get saved in your salvation is baptism. Have you been baptized? The next step is to understand that you're a part of this and, and no longer are you just a, a consumer, but you're actually an owner that says, man, I own this. This is my work. I'm coming to impart in being a part of through service, through acts of service, through coming and, and, and helping and being a part of the community of Christian believers. Maybe your next step is to join a discipleship group 
also known as connect groups, right? Where you can actually be discipled in Christ and grow and learn more about what it is you believe and what it is to, to have a solid foundation in the kingdom of God. Maybe your next step is to come and lead a team at Champion Church and say, I'm going to take responsibility, not for myself, but for all of these people that I am now leading to grow. Listen, I want to tell you right now, wherever you're at, if you've maybe got through one of those things and become a member and an owner of Champion, great. But you're not done. Church, can I be honest? I still have next steps. I will continually have next steps. And I love what Dane had to say about this, this heart of generosity and just saying yes to God. I want to be a person when people come to me, they're not thinking, oh, he's going to say no again. I want to be the person that that people come to and say, man, that guy says yes and is going to allow me to do great things in the kingdom and give me the resources that I need. I'm sorry I'm double preaching over what Dane said, but that was awesome. And I really believe that God is changing us. And the goal of all of this is that we wouldn't just hear it, but that we would apply it to our life. This week, you're going to have an opportunity to say yes when you want to say no. You need to say yes. Amen. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to do something special. It's my wife's birthday. And I'm not going to tell you how old she is. Does anybody know? All right. So I'm going to pray. And then, listen, I want to bless my wife today. Because, you know, my wife is an individual that comes to the house of God that takes care of all of you and me the whole week. She doesn't get paid a dime to do anything, and she's a faithful servant in the kingdom of God. And I, wanna, I want today, we're going to pray over her, and the kids have, we're going to sing a song, and the kids have some. We're just going to take just two minutes, and, um, and then I want you to come up and give her a big hug. And if you have a little love offering you want to give to her so she can go out and get a pretty dress for our two-year anniversary next week. Because I love when, yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful dresses. Amen. So um, I want to pray and then I'm going to have her come up and we're just going to love on her for a minute. Can we do this? We got out early today just to make sure we had time for this. Um, I do want to tell you church starts at 1030. Today we started at 1030 and I thank my mom for being here. I thank Eric for being here and a couple other people. It was really awesome. But I want to tell you next week on our two year anniversary, I want you here early to check your beautiful children in. I want you early in the seats. And in fact, because you're all family, I'm talking to you as family, as owners, I want you up as close to the front as possible next week so that all of our wonderful guests feel comfortable to sit wherever they want to sit. Can we do this as a family? Can we run? Can I just talk to you like a parent for a moment? Because my parents still call me daily and talk to me like a parent. You guys know what that feels like? Anybody have parents in here? Thank you. Yes, you do. Hey, let's pray. Man, that God would use us this week like never before, champions. Amen. Dear Lord, we honor you. We give you this day, Father. Thank you for speaking your truth of generosity to us, that what you started in the Old Testament was revealed clearly in the New Testament about what, how we should live our lives. And God, we are people that, that, that speak, that hear your word, and do what you ask us to do, Father. I pray that your champions would get busy being an amazing part of your community and of your kingdom, God. We love you and thank you that we will be yes people to you and to every person that you bring to us this week. God, we honor you today. I pray blessings and encouragement over your people that we would rise up and be men and women in the kingdom of God that can stand up and say yes to all that you ask of us, God. We love you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. I want my wife to come up here because not only is she beautiful inside and out. There was a time I broke up with my wife before we got married. And it was about three weeks, wasn't it, maybe about a month? And I remember I used to, every once in a while, I'd hang out with these girls, you know, before I met her. And and just as friends, but... I met my wife, and I, I, I just felt like I didn't know if I, I wanted to spend my whole life with her, and I wasn't quite sure, and I loved her, but I didn't know, and I was confused and, and emotional, and, and so I just broke up with her, and it was crazy because I was like, let's see what she does now. Let's see if she runs away from the church, if she runs away from everybody that we've had friends with for a couple of years, and it was crazy because 
I broke up with her. I felt bad. And I even cried that day, didn't I? First time, last time. And because um, I was like, I don't know what to do. And, and so for weeks, this girl would come to church as we were broken up. I'm the pastor's son. And everybody would look at her. And everybody would look at me, and they would think, what, what is she going to do? Is she just going to run for the hills? I mean, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. You know, every week she came and she worshiped Jesus. And it was like a light bulb went on in my head. That's, that's my wife right there. That's somebody that will, will, will stick strong with Jesus no matter what comes her way. And immediately I was like, I can live the rest of my life with that woman. Because regardless of what happens to me, She's honoring and faithful to the God, the Savior of her life. And I say that to you as an example of, of, of the, the greatness that Jesus has put in my wife, that she can serve me and serve you. And uh, I'm just so appreciative, and I just wanted to tell you that. And uh, I'm sorry if you heard it and you, whatever. I just I gave it to you as an offering. <laughs> And uh, I want the kids to come up. We're going to sing happy birthday. Spencer's going to come lead happy birthday because he has a voice like Barry Manilow. <laughs> he has a voice like uh, um, um, uh, Neil Diamond, right? Like, uh, yeah, like uh, something. So he's going to lead us in happy birthday for my wonderful wife. And uh, I want you to stand to your feet this morning. And uh, then we're going to clap and cheer. And I want to make sure before you leave today, Come show your love for my wife. Give her a hug. And she didn't even like hugs very much, but hug her really strongly, okay? Make her feel uncomfortable in a loving way, and just let her know how much you appreciate her. Can we do this? This is one time a year, and this is a big deal because this is a monumental birthday. for. I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but uh, um, she's not, not quite 50, and, uh, but not quite, yeah. And so, but uh, let's sing. Come on, Barry Manilow. Let's do this. All right, one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nicole. Happy birthday to you. All right, guys. She wants to say one thing before you guys give her hugs and loves and, and you are dismissed. Here she is. Amen. I just want to say thank you. I want to say it is I'm not going to cry. It is my honor to serve you guys. It's my heart's desire, and I do it joyfully. I would do it the rest of my life and not receive a dime. And it's funny because my kids always ask me, "Are you ever going to get a job one day where you like make actual money?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Loves, you don't even know. I make so much money in His kingdom, and I would do." everything I do a thousand times over because you guys are worth it. He's worth it. And together we're going to change this community. I just know it. So thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being here. I love you all so very much. All right. There is a table in the back that we've set up for Nicole for Pastor Nicole, and we've got some cake back there, so we're going to take some pictures, and uh, she's going to blow out her candles, and uh, Mark's got an offering plate here if you, need, if you want to give anything for that, um, and uh, we want you to have a blessed week. We're going to send out some emails this week. Dr. Wall's got a big event on Saturday that we want you guys to be a part of, and we're going to send out some information to you about wellness, about wholeness, hormones, and all kinds of amazing things. Hey, we love you. We need help tearing down. God bless you. And uh, make sure you come up and say hello to my wife. Thank you. you